when we feel connected and close, then we also feel safe and secure to go and explore the world, right? On our own. Yeah. On our own. Yeah. On our own. And that autonomy, that differentiation, that individuation, I love these words, they they're important because and I feel this. I get really excited when you go and do your own thing and you come back because it's like I had space for me. I parented on my own. I did whatever for me. And then you come back with a renewed energy and I'm excited. And you get to bring that renewed energy from you into our marriage, into our relationship. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey, podcast listeners. Thank you for clicking play and joining me here for another episode you just missed some juicy stuff between me and today's guests. So we are starting in a spot of laughter and well, maybe I'm laughing a bit more than you. Greg's here to join me for the podcast today. Greg, did you dress up for me today? Yeah, there's a collar on my shirt. <laughs> Things are looking up. Things are looking up. Stepping out of dad mode. Yeah, the back of the hat is still on though. That's okay. You need to be comfortable, especially yeah. when I'm putting you in the hot seat again. Again. Yeah, I'm ready for it ready so before we were we plugged in the click okay for the mic we i'll just fill you in on what we're laughing about we did a sound check and i really liked how greg had said greg sound check 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 <laughs> as if who else would be here in the room i don't know seems seems like the right thing to do it's great i'm an amateur Nah, you're a pro it's great i'm so glad that you're having this conversation with me because i don't think there is anyone else better for us to dive into this conversation, especially because you and I actually just did the 100 questions on our date night and we had a lot of fun doing it. So that's why we wanted to bring it here in the podcast so that you, the listener, could hear how it went for us and then also for us to talk about just what's happening in people's relationships, which is, are the common things that show up in this community every single day. Right. Yeah, everyone's busy. Lives are busy. Like I had to schedule this podcast like six months ago, waiting for you to get through all these these book edits. I mean, certainly worth the wait. And it was pretty cool to watch you go through that process as stressful and kind of convoluted as it was at times. But here we are. Here we are. It's wild. The yeah. And I remember when I sent the book in, there was this like sigh of relief from you of like, okay, we're going forward. Yeah. And what do we do now? <laughs> I was just talking on a podcast yesterday, actually, how I didn't watch TV. You and I did not watch TV for those five months while I was writing the book. Yeah, that's true. It's not a bad thing, but 
it's not it a bad shifted thing. the focus quite a bit. A hundred percent. And you know, in the past, I mean, gosh, just the other weekend, I had my last round of book edits, which meant I needed to comb through mm-hmm. alongside with my team at Pessy Publishing to look for are there any commas in the wrong place? Is it the right whatever mm-hmm. spot in the right mark? And that was like head down the whole weekend. I read the whole book, 300 pages in a weekend. And that was just one of those moments again, where you and I had to disconnect and become those kind of like two ships passing in the night. Right. And and I think sometimes, you know, what's so important in our relationships is that we don't get to always be connected and always be close all the time. And sometimes for some people, they start to panic almost when there is a little bit of that disconnection, when there is a little bit of that space. And yet we know relationships go through these different seasons. So like, for example, you and I writing the book, by the way, if you don't know already, the book is coming out on September 12th. It's available for pre-sale. You can check it out on my website. All of the exciting things. I can't wait for you to read these stories around the four cases that I've worked with. And including our own marriage that is on those pages. And the common thread is just how many people continue to say, I didn't sign up for this. Which in some way brings us to how parenthood just can pull us apart. It can. Before we dive into that, though, I think it's important. Like we use the example of you writing a book. Like that's a very big thing. But I don't want to lose sight of the kind of everyday stuff that people are in the weeds doing right so yes we went through this process super big project but people have that with family with kids with their own work right it may not be as defined as writing air quotes writing a book right but they have their own challenges in the relationship that's kind of leading them kind of to this same spot kind of the ships passing the nights the example you use um you know for a lot of folks listening it's kids i mean i want to be empathetic not everyone can have kids right so we're kind of coming to this talk with that kind of point of privilege you know we're fortunate to have two lovely kids but the reality is yeah the reality is that we have so many stressors in our life that show up so it's not this isn't this is a conversation not just for people who have children this is a conversation for anybody in a relationship because what we know is that we don't get to take away stressors we've got work we have the demands of the home. We have the basement flood that we didn't plan for or the sick dog that we didn't know was going to happen or the health of an in-law or a parent or a loved one changes. Stressors are all around us. And so what happens so frequently for couples is that we become this, you know, transactional experience between two people. And this is one of my favorite analogies that I use with couples that I work with, which is it is like two ships passing in the night instead of actually my other favorite analogies around trees and how mm. I understand couples is like each day we need to consciously choose to grow our tree branches together. That's a choice we have to make each day. And it can be incredibly hard when we are faced with so many of life stressors. Well, it's just a dilution of time whatever it is right so we only have so much time right so we're we need to naturally kind of try to preserve some of that time and be very intentional about that energy we put towards our partner regardless of the 
season of your relationship. And I think that's important whether you're like, you could be with someone for like six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause this stuff comes up work, friends, mm-hmm. your phone, like yeah. it's endless, right? There's such a, you know, the attention economy, it's, it's, it's hard, right? And our partners are not exempt from that. A hundred percent. And so when we did this one, so when I created the 100 questions to spark a deeper conversation with your partner, when I created this guide, I was thinking of not just the couple who have two kids and aren't sleeping through the night and can barely mutter like, like, why did you put the peanut butter in the fridge (laughs) kind of moment when it's not supposed to be in the fridge. But I was also thinking about that new couple who are in the six month limerence honeymoon stage or coming out of it it, that they're no matter what season in your relationship you are in, there is always this opportunity to deepen that connection my image that I love giving is almost like we as ourselves are like an avocado. I know, Greg, it's like yeah, I'm just throwing I, all of my images out yeah. here, right? But like yeah. the, at the core, we just know this small, tiny piece of our partner. Right. And if you think we have on average 40 to 50,000 thoughts a day, I see just a small, tiny piece of you. I don't get to know all of the other piece of you. And when we stop being curious and open to explore that stuff, mm. that's when we start to feel like two ships passing the night. Yeah. And I think what really hit me when we went through the exercise and I thought a lot about this is like, yes, we're kind of parents with two kids and tired and doing all the things. It was awesome for that because it made it super easy. But man, if, if I had done this when we were like six months in or like a couple is three months in, if, if, if you started to kind of have these conversations and these prompts, the benefit doing that early on and starting that kind of routine or cadence would be really powerful. It's kind of like if couples came to therapy preemptively. Not necessarily going to happen, but on a, like a, a lower level, this is a great thing to do earlier on that can actually almost get in front of some of these issues that we see showing up around communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to talk in a minute about some of the numbers we're seeing from your community, and it's frankly staggering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like a muscle memory. Like, like, think about that, though, right? The, the first time you go to do a new exercise, whether you're at the gym, at home, that lunge or the bicep curl or something, and you're holding the weight differently, it feels really strange the first time you do it. But then the more you do it, the more you put that memory into your body. That mm-hmm. can also be that memory within your brain of how you can connect with your partner. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. 
and you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality but the best part is that if you're worried about commitment enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases head over to cozyearth.com and use promo code shrink for an exclusive 35 percent off and give the luxury she deserves with cozy earth Okay, so this was a really interesting question when I polled our community. 
And the question was, do you wish you were having deeper conversations with your partner? And 89% of you said yes. And, and what do you think about that? It's higher than I would have expected, truthfully. I mean, it might be a bit of audience capture that a lot of like our community is in a certain stage of life and, and that kind of thing. But I think even if you extrapolated to kind of couples at large, it, you know, you can see where the trend is going, right? And then I th- like on a on some level, it does make sense, you know, given kind of our society and our attention right now, you know, it, it does make sense. It doesn't mean it's good. It's kind of mm-hmm. on a way on a certain level, it's it's kind of sad, really. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that's. I know I want to blame our phones for this, which is such yes, an issue, right? So easy. Yeah. It, it's so easy to blame our phones. And then I also wondering, well, but what did this look like 30 years ago? I mean, surely people were doing their own activities as well. Perhaps they weren't so distracted. You know, it's just, it's not just our phones, but it is also our phones and how easy it is to get dopamine hits That's, on the regular yeah. every single second, right? And how many, okay, so people who are listening, do you keep your phone in your pocket? And this is something that Craig and I talk a lot about is like the accessibility and how easy it is just to put your hand in and to reach it out. And then suddenly you're scrolling and really you were just going to check the weather of, you know, do you need to put the kids with splash pants on today? But then suddenly you're in the different apps scrolling all the other things. Like I am totally guilty of that. Uh, you call me out in all the time. And when you, when I do it, it's like, wow, like I didn't even know I was doing it. Like I'm not proud to say that, but it's like, it's it's a thing. So I think to answer your question, did it happen 30 years ago with our parents or for sure? I just think they didn't do, they did different things. It looks different. It looked different. But now I think what happens with their phone is like, oh, we can just whip our phone out and like go have this dopamine hit and, and feel good in a micro moment to like get through this loss of connection where maybe in the past our parents maybe had to like sit with it. Like it would be awkward, longer silences. And like, there's more like body language and like some of that stuff around it versus us. Now we just go into our own little echo chamber on our phone and get our hit and move on. You are talking about the ultimate way to deal with the internal pain we feel at the level of disconnection that we have in our relationships is that instead of turning towards our partner and saying, huh, what makes you think that right now? Or what's happening to you right now? Or any of these questions we have in this guide, we can pick up our phone and say, subconsciously or unconsciously, I don't have to do that. I've got something else that's going to give me a hit. (laughs) I've been using the movie title, Sliding Doors. Do you remember that movie? No. Okay, so it's, I need to update my references. It came out in 1998. That's wild. That's 25 years ago. I know. It's wild. So I'm thinking maybe some of my therapy clients don't actually know what I'm talking about when it's the Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors. It's this moment of missing each other so many times in our relationships. And we have these all the time, every single day, because... Of our phone. Okay, so let me tell you some more numbers that came up in our community. Um, looking at the current situation, 
89% of you said you felt some sort of like disconnection in the way that you are speaking with each other. 64% said they felt their conversations were transactional. Transactional being like, we've got to complete a task. We need to move our family forward in some way. You know, who's getting groceries? Did you pack the splash pans? Um, Who's doing pickup and drop off? 25% of you felt that it was more two ships passing in the night, which means that only 11% of you are saying that you're having those deeper conversations. So it, ah, you, you know, when, when I even step back again, you've mentioned audience capture and thinking about who my community is. Most people in the community do have children. And right. it speaks to the research where 67% of couples experience a significant decline in their relationship satisfaction in the first year after having a baby. That's, that's huge. It's not, it's not terribly surprising. Um, it's obviously super unfortunate. I think your priorities shift so quickly. We prepare everything for baby, but probably not the relationship. A hundred percent. That's exactly what we do. We prepare everything else, but we don't prepare relationships. We don't have these conversations. And I can think of the couples who show up in my office or inside Be Connected, my online program, where you can learn all the skills and tools I teach the couples and the convenience of your own home. And the people who do this before having a baby feel more prepared. They can have these conversations. They're not getting stuck in these deeper ruts where we just can't move through it. So I think it's, I I really want people listening. I want you listening to know that if you are struggling in this hard season right now, you are not alone in your struggle. And I say that in a way where I don't want you to think your struggle is the same as my struggle. That would not be a sense of compassion, but in the sense that there, this doesn't, there's nothing shameful about this. If you do feel shame, I want to remove that and to let you know that, yeah, even we have been there. We have been in the depths of that. And it's also why writing, I didn't sign up for this. It felt like a huge miss if I didn't write our story in the book. And so our marriage is our, it's on those pages, which is incredibly vulnerable for me as a therapist to put that out there and you being so willing for me to tell her story. Yeah. Well, it was really important you show up authentically and I, I'm not sure there's a better way to do that than to share your own experience. Yeah, I agree. Just circling back on that. I think in our own experience too, not that we had any regrets around kids, but if there was one kind of do over, it would be be more intentional and more in, investing more time in some of these preemptive conversations around our relationship and like, what would happen if X happens? You know, how do we navigate Y? You know, mm. what do we want to do for this holiday, for that holiday? Like, if, if, you know, if you had those conversations in advance, they don't have to be super detailed. It can be just kind of top level, just kind of getting on the same page or having an understanding of what the expectations are. Like, how many partner, parents go into, or partners go into having a child and really have no idea? what each other's expectation is for, say, the first two weeks. Of course. I'm, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe that's changed where they're having that conversation more, but I don't know, right? And no, because we're so focused on the birth, right? Yeah. And who, who's going to be in the hospital? Who's visiting us then? And it, it, it's challenging that way. And I, I, I'll never forget this moment from my therapist chair 
when I asked a client who was struggling with very common struggles that we hear in our community, which is around the mental load, around the childcare labor, the domestic labor, the emotional and relationship labor, all being on her. And I had, I had said to her, tell me about the roles that you have taken on watching from your parents. And then I said, and what do you think about your husband? And the aha moment of, oh, we are each doing exactly what we saw. (laughs) And then asking the question of, is this what you want? Is this aligned with your own values? Or are you just enacting these roles, reenacting these roles? And she was able to step out of that and say, I don't want to keep doing that, which is huge. When I pushed a little bit further and asked another question, I wanted to know how much time approximately people were talking and these numbers are big 49% of you said that you were talking for less than 10 minutes a day wow and that I, I intentionally asked outside of the transactional moments right right but transactional moments don't don't tend to take long 38% of you said less than 30 minutes so that's 87% of you saying less than 30 minutes a day This is, again, on my Instagram community. This is not a proper sample size from a research data perspective, but it aligns with the data, which is that most parents in a research study where there was a video camera in the home of parents with young children, they were talking for less than 30 minutes a day. They were in the same room for less than 30 minutes a day, which is wild. And only 2% said people were, were talking for two plus hours a day, which is a lot when you think about That's going to work and yeah. things like that. I think the bigger deal is less than less than 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, I think it speaks to the need to have really quality and and having some of these deeper conversations cuz the reality is you're not going to go from 10 minutes to an hour. Like we have to be pragmatic about how much time mm-hmm. you can connect, but I think it really speaks to the level of quality and engagement in those times that you can have. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would be nice to be more and you can work to that and implement some of the rituals that maybe we'll talk about later. Like those things will help, but you have to be realistic about given the season you're in, how much time you're going to have. And that puts an emphasis on on what that time looks like. I love that you brought that up because that comes back to this piece around, is it necessarily quantity? Like we're going for two hours are we going for quality, which is, do we have 10 minutes to ask one probing question mm-hmm. to stir things up a little bit? Yeah. Well, I think it, it'd be nice to have a little bit of both. Can we up the amount of time mm-hmm. and up the quality more mm-hmm. importantly? Because mm-hmm. less than, you know, you take that stat on less than 10 minutes, like that's one could argue problematic. <laughs> I'm only going to put in 10 minutes. You've got 10 minutes. Go. I have to admit, sometimes at bedtime, I'm like, I can just do 10 minutes and we talk. Yeah. But if it's quality, like that's okay. Yeah. Like I think we have to be realistic about what people can and can't do. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that is why I encourage people to find those short rituals. So you and I having this date night out recently, which was like this, this perfectly not perfect, but like, it was just like, 
one of those yes dates where it's like the babysitter came at 4.30. It was a beautiful sunny day out. We went for a walk. We got to the restaurant at 5. We got home at 9. The kids had been asleep for an hour already. We got to watch TV, right? Like it was just it was just kind of one of those great date nights that things worked out where, you know, we like to go to bed and we enjoy our sleep. So, But I think one of the things that shows up for people around tackling this type of thing is resentment because people will say, I just don't even feel like asking them these questions. I just don't even want to talk to them about this stuff because of this layered in resentment that is showing up. Yeah. And I know in this community, because most people are women, that we're getting the female perspective. Mm-hmm. But I also know that men also experience resentment with how things are going in their relationship. Yeah, I mean, I can probably chime in a little bit from that side. I certainly don't speak for everyone, but I think on some level, there's a shift for men. You're not as important in your relationship as you once were if kids come along or changes in the family. Um you might feel like your needs, your friends, the things you like to do don't happen as often. You lose social connection. So, you know, you're maybe not as physically fit or healthy as you once were just because time, time changes. So I think resentment just kind of shows up. And they... I'm going to layer in something right there for you, because what I know about resentment is that there are two things that tend to show up. One is where are not getting our needs met. And that is either because our partner's not meeting them or we're not meeting them ourselves. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah, We're not getting our needs met or two, we're not even communicating our needs. That too. (laughs) So then we think of the challenge that particularly, you know, what we bring to this conversation is our heterosexual experience. Correct. But the challenge that you and I both face is that I, as a woman, as a girl was taught to please, to look pretty, to smile. And if I didn't smile, there are all kinds of other things that people would say about me, right? Like that's my Don't stuff. Don't be bitchy. Don't be bitchy. Um, and to care for others. So my internal messaging is don't put your needs out there, but you have a whole other set of internal messaging, which ultimately boils down also to don't be sad. Don't put your needs out there. Yeah. I think that's ultimately what I was getting at is if if the male is not expressing their needs and, and not kind of filling up some of their cup on their own, it kind of, it leads to this resentment, this frustration, and it kind of all plays into this dynamic about, you know, again, they'd rather just go in and go on their phone and try and connect with their partner because really deep down, they're just frustrated. They're not getting to do the things that they want. And I, and I recognize like how silly and kind of privileged that sounds, but the reality is, the best partnerships, they each kind of forge their own identity and then come back together, right? So if if one or both of those partners are doing that, creating this resentment, creating this frustration, I, mm. I know for a fact when I don't get that social connection, you know, I like to go biking, you know, have a little bit of time for myself, you know, it, it can you can kind of feel it in, in your body physically and it, and it doesn't lead to, you know, kind of breaking down those barriers to having better, deeper communication. Mm -hmm. 
And I think what's hard is that then I'm wrapped up in all of my own stuff and then I don't see your stuff and you don't communicate it. And then, right. And then around we go and neither one of us feel good at the end of the day. So I think what we're talking about right here is just the importance of connection in all aspects of our life. When we feel connected and close, then we also feel safe and secure to go and explore the world. Right. On our own. On our own. Yeah. On our own. And that autonomy, that differentiation, that individuation, and I love these words, they, they're they important because, and I feel this, I get really excited when you go and do your own thing and you come back because it's like I had space for me. I parented on my own. I did whatever for me. And then you come back with a renewed energy and I'm excited. And you get to bring that renewed energy from you into our marriage into our relationship. Yeah. It's like each partner is going to kind of recharge the batteries and on a s- smaller level. Right. And hopefully they can bring that energy back into the couple uh-huh. dynamic. Uh-huh. Okay. And so for you listening, I'm appealing to you for why this is so important to deepen your connection with your partner, because when we are connected, we can navigate our worlds better. We can navigate stress better. And we actually know that from the research that relationship distress is connected to long-term physical health conditions, mental health conditions. And there's a relationship back and forth between if we are distressed in our relationships and feeling disconnected and dissatisfied, we are more likely to experience depression and anxiety. And when we are depressed and anxious, we are more likely to then experience, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, like which came first, right? So... It's important for us. And then also, too, I think of like our our nervous systems. If I go to that level, that you and I can like have this like calm when we feel connected, the calm in the storm, because then you and I are more solid parent A, parent B, we're a solid parenting team. When we feel connected, everything just starts to feel a little bit easier. All right, let's talk about how you can actually start this conversation. Because again, when I polled you, 67% said it is not easy to start conversations with your partner. That's how I do. That's really high. I mean, from my perspective, the daily rituals is a great place to start. You know, I'm probably on the slightly more like anxious side of things. So having something that's like, a little bit more planned or routine based, you know, for me, the greeting and parting in the morning and after work kind of thing is really important to me. It kind of signals the emotional and physical connection. Um, it's not going to be a long time, but it's gives us an opportunity to connect. And, and that, that piece is really important to me. Um, so it's creating kind of this, it's kind of an oxymoron, but like this planned intentionality, I guess, like it's becomes this routine and that's a great, great place to start. I think that's so important because we often think that to heal our relationship, we need more words. Mm -hmm. We need to go back and rehash out the thing. And then we're going to add in the other thing from the year before and then the year before. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think sometimes when it comes to bridging that connection, we need more of the physical connection, right? The hugs, the morning hug, the morning choice of not turning to your phone first, turning to your partner and having a hug, greeting them at the door or parting, right? It's just that physical piece there that says we're in this together. And it's not to say that people who have histories of trauma or who don't feel safe in terms of that physical element, 
but it is to say like, what's that small thing? And like, again, I hear this all the time from people and even just the example between you and I this morning, Greg, I don't know if you know this, I think to tell you, you had put the towels in the bathroom. And last night I remember thinking, oh, I'm probably going to forget my towel tomorrow. I'm probably going to get in the shower because I washed the towels yesterday. And it was there this morning. And it was just one of those like small moments of you thought about us in an intentional way. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the, the nights when you put toothpaste on my toothbrush are really powerful. So yeah, so <laughs> the people who feel this kind of sense of disconnection and not knowing where to start, I want you to hear this. This doesn't have to be big. These can be moments that are built within your day to help bridge that connection. And you can also intentionally make it as part of your day. So for us, we also do gratitude sometimes at dinner or sometimes we do it at bedtime, which right. is a really great way for our family to connect, which circles us back to this pain point that I know the community struggles with. And I know many people struggle with this. I, I often give this homework to other people, to my clients or to those inside be connected. And I say, I want you to start a weekly meeting and people just don't like that one. But but, but hear me out, because the idea of a weekly meeting is not so that I'm going to give you, as Eve Rotsky so beautifully said in her Fair Play book, the shit you don't do list. I'm not going to do that with you. But rather, this is a checkpoint for us. This is a point for us to ask, you know, it could even be something like three questions. One, what are we grateful for about each other? What's stressful coming up this week and how can I support you? And then the last one could be something like it could be one of these questions from the guide. Absolutely. So it doesn't have to be a, you know, hold on tight. I'm going to tell you all the things you did wrong this week. That's one part. But then the other piece is that for people who tend to be more of those feedback givers, and actually, you know this because we just uploaded the lesson on how to give feedback to your partners inside Be Connected. And people who are the freely feedback givers tend to do it frequently, which can overwhelm the other person, lead the other person to shut down. And then ultimately the feedback just kind of lands on deaf ears. So the weekly meeting is a great way to write all the things down in a note section on your phone, and then come back to the weekly meeting and ask yourself, what's really important about what I want to share? I think what the weekly meeting also does is when you have that dynamic where someone's more the feedback giver it kind of levels the playing field because it's this set kind of time mm. if you think about like a a job interview or, or a very structured meeting at work it's it's very two-way hopefully um so if you can it kind of levels the playing field so it's not just kind of that top down the person who's more the feedback giver um takes up all the oxygen allows a little bit more of kind of that that ebb and flow. Ebb and flow back and forth. Yeah. You know, you could even structure it so like you each have equal time, air quotes. Yes. And and the commitment, the verbalizing out loud. Let's do this weekly meeting. I constantly hear Dr. Tracy talking about it. She's yeah. maybe she knows what she's talking about. I don't yeah. know. But you know, can can we try this? And what we can both work on by doing this is practice listening to each other. And for me, I know as I tend to be the feedback giver. I tend to be more of the critical partner in our dynamic. My work is to be able to say to you, and I, I'm practicing to just listen right. and giving you that reassurance of that. So I, I think there's this piece here of you, when you want to start this conversation, go in with openness around it. 
not predicting how your partner is going to respond, not saying that this is like some kind of fixed or rigid thing, but it can be an ebb and flows. And so the other piece is, is it something that's planned as part of the weekly meeting or is it maybe an impromptu try? And you get to try that depending on your relationship. And I always encourage this for people is that whatever you are hearing in terms of what people are talking about, map it onto the context of your life. If life is really busy right now and you find yourselves washing pump parts at night, 9 p.m. at night, stand beside each other and say, hey, I have a fun question. Let's ask each other. Mm-hmm. And it can be as simple as that of just of just doing it in that moment. What were some of your hangups for having a conversation like this? I think like many, just kind of like knowing where to start. How do I ask questions that's going to lead to more meaningful, deeper connection. Versus, and not the fights. Yeah. I don't want to, you, you don't want to, like you said earlier, you don't want to rehash all the things. Yeah. I mean, there's probably an avoidant piece of wanting to talk about hard things. Um, that's where I think this guide is, is, is so good because it can just give you some direction on things outside of the mundane kind of tactical transactional day-to-day stuff. It, it gets a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and can be a little bit more fun and playful. I, I really liked that we didn't have to think. <laughs> so when we took this the date night with us, it was there already. And it allowed us to have fun and playfulness. And I remember you saying how this was really great because it felt more like we were focusing on the process mm-hmm. and not the outcome. Yeah. And so I do like that too, how you're saying it's like, it takes the pressure out. So you have questions already and you like the questions yeah i i, I mean the first time i read it, I was, I was they were really thought-provoking um a couple of things i really liked a lot of them were historical which i found really thought-provoking i think right now we often focus on kind of the problems of the present and what we're going to do in the future so it was really interesting to to revisit some of those memories and the good and the bad ones because ultimately that's kind of my story and that's who we are so i thought that was really intriguing um and the other piece is really around it wasn't really about the question itself sometimes it's like what question or thought did that question or memory did that question lead to so i think what we found is like we it was each question was almost like a starting point and it kind of created this this conversation that just really happened organically and you know when you trigger memories and you can oh and then you kind of it, triggers a memory of a certain story and then maybe it's a, a good memory or something funny and then you start storytelling and you kind of it really creates this this great conversation which is the point um just based on a you know a starting point of one of these questions and there's a hundred of them so there's really endless there's opportunities lots in there. yeah and i want to emphasize too for people listening because you know, sometimes when I hear people talking about stuff, I'm like, well, that's you. That's because that's you guys. Yeah. But in all fairness to people listening, I've asked you some of these questions before. And before you've been like, mm, I don't know. No, I don't know. And, and sure. it's like planting seeds and coming back to it. And if you didn't know, it's okay because I've planted the seed and then we can come back to it at another time or you move on to a different question, well, which is what the fun thing was. There was questions I like, I couldn't remember. Like some of the host- historical ones, which I mentioned a minute ago, were great to think about. But some stuff I'm like, I literally couldn't remember. I couldn't answer. It was, it was yeah. hard to. So you just kind of move on and, and don't get bogged down in it. I mean, it's, it's not a test, obviously. It's an opportunity to um, connect. One thing I did want to mention real quick before we go 
past the the meeting piece from a minute ago. Um, I think people get caught up in like the term meeting or like it sounds a bit gitchy almost. Like it's really easy to be like eye roll, like oh no, like <laughs> so true, as, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I get it. But just take it for what it is. Like call it something different, whatever it is. Right? It's you know, it's, are we having a session? You know what I mean? Like it sounds very like administrative and kind of kind of boring so i think i just wanted to flag that because i think particularly if you're listening to this maybe saying this to your male partner like i can see the group male eye roll like versus team meeting the weekly meeting i get it what's what's the new we we need to find a different name for that i want to share what happened when i asked asked you question 24 i had asked if you could relive one moment in your life what would it be who was there and what are you doing and i loved how you responded to this one because you were like, okay, well, like, like, do I, do I have to say our, our wedding? Do I have, and like, yeah. it's, it's funny to see our, our different processes because I actually wasn't even thinking of that because those were just these obvious moments. And so you and I had both declared out loud, there's obvious moments that of course we would relive, you know, the birth of our son, our daughter, um, our wedding day, those are those like obvious moments, but then you had actually given me a different memory and that permission to kind of step outside of the obvious and to go into something different was really cool. And that felt like us shifting outside of the, the outcome, right? The, the goal of like the yes, no, or the perfect response or how we should do it. And it just really created something special about how we were talking about it. Yeah, I think actually having done this now, it actually encouraged people to like give each other permission to like not answer the obvious. Is like if you're going to go into this, say it's okay. We're going to totally the kids, the marriage, that stuff is kind of off the table. We'll take that as an obvious, unless there's some kind of context to it, mm-hmm. uh, and really focus on maybe some of the less obvious or obscure things because that helps you get to know your partner. It's going to elicit more questions, a deeper conversation. You might hear a story you've never heard before. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've had this really great experience together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then you had also said, cause I wrote this note down from you. You're like, it's kind of like we're gamifying it. Like there's no judgment. There's nothing attached to like my adequacy or even like our enoughness as partners. Like, you know, you don't have to answer these questions. So your partner will like it. You answer it because it's building this connection. Yeah. Answer the question, honestly. And again, maybe if you kind of lay that out as ground rules going, going into it, it can, can help, but yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Have the ground rules, have that ready and be open. I think. Just have fun with it. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously, but but use it at the same time. It's interesting that you say that because so many people are saying, how do we get out of this roommate stage? And again, those two ships passing in the night and it's like, yes, well, we need fun and playfulness to be able to get out of that. And we can also talk about flow, which is this, like you are in a present state, just being with what is coming up. And that is, you know, I think in some ways that's exactly what these conversations come back to, like brought up for us. Right. And I know you and I, well, I haven't told you this, but I'm telling you this now I'm packing this on our next date night as well. Cause I think it's really fun for us. It was great. Yeah. And I mean, we're in a good spot in a relationship, not perfect by any means, but I think regardless of where you are, even if you're really struggling or things are as good as they've ever been, there's, there's really a important spot for, 
for some of these and can really have some fun with it. Mm, we're in a good spot today. But when you go and read, I didn't sign up for it. You're going to come to our journey of those harder, harder moments. And I just really want to put that in there <laughs> to really humanize. Yeah, that's you reality, and I. though. You and I. Yeah, totally. All right, Greg, you have been stellar today. <laughs> you just gave me an eye roll. I love having you on the podcast and having these conversations. I often, I hear from so many people that they're so glad you're here, that they've been able to share these episodes with their partners who are more resistant to, of course, listening to me because they need the other side. Sure. And I really appreciate you entering into this conversation with me. So for you listening, I just want you to take these pieces away. First, I want you to really hear from us that this transactional season in our relationship, it shows up sometimes. And relationships go through all kinds of seasons, that there are some that are incredibly hard. And if you are in one of those hard seasons, know that this doesn't necessarily mean forever, but the, you know, have that conversation with your partner by opening it up and saying, you know, we're in one of those hard seasons and we are feeling a little bit further apart. And then I think the other piece here is emphasizing that you have choices to make small steps towards connection and that connection at our core, it's what we need, right? We hold our babies close to our hearts. As an infant, you were held close to someone and we continue to need that all throughout our adulthood. John Bowlby said, attachment is from cradle to grave. It's just that needing to feel like we belong, like we matter, that feeling never goes away. And that there are these ways to create this closeness in your relationship by taking some small pieces of intentionality and curiosity in your partnership. So if you're looking for the guide, we haven't said this yet. I can't believe you and I have not said this. It is absolutely free. You can go to drtracyd.com forward slash connect. Greg is holding up a piece of paper for me right now in case you thought I forgot the website. Thank you so much. <laughs> kind. I created the link and I remember. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and if you do, if you have done it, if you do do it, please send us a DM on Instagram. I love reading your comments and your moments. I want to hear how this lands for you and your partner. So send me a DM and... We just love hearing from you and we are so grateful that you are part of this community. So of course, I have one last big thing to ask from you. And that is, if something resonated today, please click the stars, leave us a review or click subscribe. This helps other people find the podcast. And we just love being able to build this community, knowing that you are part of it. And we, we, I read every single one of your reviews and comments. So thank you for being here and wishing you a good rest of the week. And I will see you next week. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.